0: Chugga chugga hookah chugga 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 I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me
1: Hello and welcome to the Exile Nation podcast the official podcast of London Irish this is season two episode three today we welcome assistant coach Brad Davis onto the show we discuss him stealing the office snacks, his playing days, and the coaching setup at London Irish. This is Exile Nation. Brad Davis, welcome to the podcast. Boy, am I nervous for this one.
0: How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. You're looking uh, quite nervous.
1: Yeah, well, I've had past players, current players, coaches. But I'm so scared of what you're going to say <laughs> um, right let's kick things off let's, okay. let's chat about London Irish you joined as a coach before the nineteen twenty season what's it been like for you so far yeah it's been a
0: um, I, I always had an affinity when I was coaching at Bath Rugby and, and we always had great games against uh, London Irish as a club so um, when I got the opportunity to join um, after chatting with Declan and, and Les I jumped at it so in, in terms of the last three years of my experience you know Declan uh he did tell me it was a project at the start mm. and warned me that it was a project and it's definitely been one because um you know we didn't really plan for a, a worldwide pandemic in the mm. in the middle of this sort of this period which yeah. um which has been quite difficult for everyone so I how would I describe it it's, it's been a roller coaster I'd imagine so far um in my opinion we've um you know we if I just recollect we in the first season we um we, we started to get a roll of games and then the, the pandemic hit mm. um, then we had to make decisions on players with injuries so we, we had to use a lot of our our younger academy players which was a great experience for them so it, it's been really difficult I think this three seasons or two and a bit seasons so far for us to really have consistency of selection, consistency of um, building momentum and it, it really only feels like this season that we've managed to to keep a group together, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and we've had that week in, week out consistency, having the crowds back, and then it feels like we're we're building. But there's been a lot of stuff being put in place um, over those those initial first two seasons, which were, like I said, were a roller coaster of results. Um, that I think is now is just starting to pay a, a little bit of dividends for us and the, and the supporters.
1: Definitely, and you've worked with some fantastic coaches throughout your career already what's it been like coming into this coaching group with Declan Les Declan Howe, Cornell and, and the rest
0: yeah the, i think the best way to describe us as a coaching um, coaching group is that we're an eclectic group um, we 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 we're all very different different in our styles and our personalities but we 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 all do come together with one common goal which is to to see this club in a better place while we're at the club so um, you know, from Dak at the top to Les, you know, they're just fantastic people, um person people persons. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, you know, the way they manage us as coaching staff, Cornell's coming from a different back background from from obviously South Africa. Um Dak Daky D's a legend of the club. We've got young coaches coming through with Fish and, and James mm-hmm. um who have have massive futures in the game as well. So I think we're we, we all come from sort of different different angles but we all come together with a with a one common goal and and I suppose the biggest thing um, that I could say that's between us as a coaching group is that we we 100% respect each other as people and coaches and um, I think that's starting to transition now into the onto the field as well with our performances.
1: Absolutely, I'm glad you touched uh on personalities, there, Brad, because you're probably one of the biggest personalities <laughs> in the office wandering around. Um, I'm going to call you out on it because we've been yeah. talking about it for weeks. You know this is coming. The office snacks. The commercial team. We constantly put donuts, muffins, cakes up on the commercial set, te- on the commercial desk, and you wander over, you eat it, you walk off, you don't say the dirty word. You just you steal all the snacks and you have never put any biscuits or anything on there. What have we got to say?
0: No, it. What you've said is exactly true. <laughs> no gonna debate that, yeah. Um, I do have a massive sweet tooth, and you know if you guys are dumb enough to put them out there on offer. Dumb enough? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So, out uh, of the I'm, kindness of our I'm, hearts. I'm smart enough to actually come back and, like a seagull, <laughs> so yeah. Well, uh,
1: seagull. That's the comment I want to talk about. <laughs> you looked me in the eye and you called yourself a seagull and told me if I didn't take what I wanted the next five minutes, you were going to come and eat it all like a seagull. Office etiquette? No. Yeah. Right?
0: Well, I just think there's, a, there's, you know, I'm, I'm actually trying to. Improve everyone's health in the office. Oh, that's the agony and I, taking okay. And I figure if I can, you know, have a Mister Kipling's like little mm-hmm. little snack every now and then, mm-hmm. and some chocolate bars, and that that's going to put right. less pressure on you guys in the office right. who, okay. who who probably don't get as much exercise as I right. do out on the okay. training field. So you're doing all so the I'm babies. burning oh, calories. Okay. okay. So I can I can shift the behavior, you know, and help you guys live a healthier lifestyle by eating more snacks. But I am I am guilty as charged. I do I do I do like a snack. Um, you've done unbelievably to turn deal. that
1: around because now I feel like I need to say thank you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, away from the office snacks uh, we are teammates best friends you've called us um, staff football we train once or twice a week and we play a Brent, against the Brentford staff talk me through our team, who's the standouts for you? Yeah, we've um,
0: got a different team, we we do have a brain man's going on Bill, don't we? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're yeah, tight, you're always on my team and um, so we have, a, again, a, a different team. We have some really skillful players. We have, again, a, a, a strange team. It's not a team that if I had money, I would buy. Right, okay. Um, but it's a team that gets... <laughs> it's not tri- pretty, is it? <laughs> no, it's not a pretty team, um, do you know what I mean? You 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 have the potential Bill, to go coast to coast and then do something special. Not sure. Good I agree team with that. But thank you. Um, we have probably our better footballers that I would say like is, uh, you know, James Lofor Brown is is a very good footballer. Very fast. Very fast. Um, Benny Cousins is a very good footballer, yeah. although very temperamental. And you can sport get sports scientist him A sports scientist, you can get it under his skin, and if you upset him enough, he will walk off the pitch, which <laughs> I quite enjoy. Um, you know, and then and then you have certain guys like you have, um, you know, Roscoe who's he's very good up front. Ross but McMillan, yeah. Ross McMillan, who who only uh, can work. You know, he doesn't hit too many high speed meters and he's you know he works in a pretty much a one meter radius right so if no ball gets within that one yeah. meter radius you
1: but if you find him if
0: you find deadly. him you hold onto the ball deadly deadly and wait, you don't wait, wanna you wanna want to tackle him you don't want to <laughs> tackle him because he's a brick
1: i think i tried that once and he threw me in the net so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so. And what about yourself describe your your abilities have you got anyone professional at the moment that you can describe yourself as
0: yeah i'd, I'd probably think of myself i'm a very unselfish player right i like to to make the easy pass mm-hmm. um I'd also say that probably the strongest part of my game is my verbal assault on my teammates <laughs> and the opposition. Um, yep. It is a constant throughout the whole yep. 60 minutes that we play staff football. Mm-hmm. And um, I have been known out in the field to make people cry with my verbals, <laughs> but I'm not going to apologise for that because that's you've got to... No, poor Richard up Green, the analyst. <laughs> yeah, you know, we have Richard Green, who's the analyst, who is, he thinks he's a good, very good footballer, but he's a terrible football <laughs> And he, you know he's so selfish, and I keep telling him he's selfish, and then he's not know, learning, though, is he? He's not learning. He's not again, learning, and he cries. He, you know he keeps on, keeps doing something <laughs> over and over again. He's uncoachable, Bill. He's <laughs> I don't think you're a
1: coach, though, Brad. You're not meant to be coaching him. You were well, to I help am. him. I'm always coaching. I'm I'm always okay. Coaching. Sorry, you just yeah, can't stop. I'm can't
0: a captain coach. You?
1: But you, you missed the uh, the pinnacle of all our training, our game against the Brentford staff that we played here at Hazelwood, It was freezing. Under the floodlights, what a game it was! We ended up winning 9-7. Not sure what that says about the standard of football, but <laughs> 9-7. You missed the game, but you have got to be proud of us for bringing the car Oh, home. it was
0: unbelievable! You know, I was listening on um, radio Bristol actually <laughs> on the way home because the game was getting streamed live. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is not true. But actually, we had some. Uh, we we got little snapshots of videos getting sent through yeah. of like highlights, which was which was brilliant. And now we've taken the trophy twice now from... Bournemouth. Well, no, no really. won the they first one. They won the one. first one,
1: we won the second one.
0: We also actually broke the cup straight away. Yeah. That might have been me, I don't but know. We, we celebrated with some juice in the cup, and uh, <laughs> it was a great result for the for the guys. But, yeah, once-a-week football game is something that we all look forward to here. Yeah. Yep. And um, I think it brings us tighter together as a group.
1: Yeah, we'll see the Brentford staff for the next game and see who goes 2-1 up. Um, Right, Brad, we're going to get a bit more serious now. Okay. Talk about professional Brad. For those of the listeners that don't know, rugby league was your your code of choice back in the day. Um, you span had a career that spanned over sixteen years. Reflecting back on that now, how proud of you what you achieved?
0: Um, it's funny when I look back, I I can only really recollect a lot of the um, the errors I made, really? in games. Yeah. So, Do you know that's the coaching side of you coming out now? Yeah, I think it's something that is just everyone's got a certain personality type and mm. part of their DNA, and I. I could never get past the uh, mistakes I've made in games and, yeah. and I'd carry them on to the next week. And I didn't carry them on in terms of affecting my performance as a player, but it definitely gave me the drive to continue to be better. And I think that's why I've been able to transfer across into mm. into coaching. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I had a fantastic time. You know, I, I, I moved over to the UK when I was 23 and I moved up to Yorkshire and... Um, to be fair, like the the supporters up there were incredible in terms of it, that if you if they could see that you were giving your all for the club, yeah, you know they'd they'd get right behind you and you know they, it felt like one big family up there. So mm. which is why I ended up staying so long. So yeah, I had a I had a brilliant time. Always um you know Yorkshire plays a uh, and the rugby league clubs I played up there yeah they, there's it's a um, they, they keep a place in my heart you know which yeah. I always uh. I'd never I wouldn't swap it for anything.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it must have made it feel like home. You played over two hundred times in the Seag League for um, Wakefield and Cast and during your time at Castleford as well. Like it must have felt great to, to step out on the pitch for
0: them. Yeah, it was incredible, you know, and they um, like you said, they get behind you if you give hundred percent up there. They, they they really took me took me in. Um, and it was just it was just a fantastic So I just felt really grateful every time that I was able to play professionally. Mm. Um, Seeing as though I, I only really took up the game of rugby league when I was 20, yeah. 21 years of wow. age, and I was in the UK yeah. at twenty-three playing, so yeah, wow. um, it was it was just I felt like you said every time I sign a new contractor, I got the opportunity to play in front of big crowds. I, yeah, it, it just I just felt really um like I was in a privileged position. So I tried to transfer that into the field and give my give a hundred percent every time, and and um, and things sort of panned out for me, um, and I was lucky enough touch wood not a lot of injuries and was able to play till I was thirty-seven,
1: thirty-eight. Well, the admiration was certainly mutual because at Castleford, you're a Hall of Fame inductee. That must be a massive one for you. It
0: was until they—true um, story. It was until they told me what you got at Castleford for a Hall of Fame. Which they you give get- you a bin. <laughs> they give you a bin. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. So you get you actually know. They actually did do a presentation an induction, <laughs> but then the Kirkley's Council then gave you a bin with your name on it. Um, in the middle of Castleford. so somewhere in Castleford if you, anyone visits Carstford, there there is one road in one road out but yeah. if you do stop for any length of time just check out my bin and maybe <laughs> wash the graffiti off or something like take that. a selfie send it take to us we'll retweet it yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, okay. Yeah. Interesting
1: way to celebrate a Hall of Fame inductee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, we're going to talk about one game in particular. It was your final game, your final professional game. It was a final that helped Carstford get promoted back to the top
0: flight.
1: You scored two tries and three assists. Yeah. Some way to go out there.
0: Eh? Yeah, I, you know, it was just, um, it was like, it just really felt like it was meant to be. Mm. Um, I, the year before, I'd come back from France. I played a year at a season in France and the coach came came back and, for the last eight games and tried to uh, ask whether I'd I'd help them try to avoid relegation the club got relegated and so that they asked me to stay on for that season I think I was I was 36 or 37 at the time Um, but yeah that that grand final was um, it was a tough year but the the grand final it was just one of those games where I felt like whatever I did out in the rugby field it was going to stick you know whatever kick I put in or or you know um, whatever pass I was going to make I just seemed to be able to see the game at slow motion yeah. and also you you only get a handful of those games in your career and I was lucky enough to have that at the at the right the, the final pinnacle and and I was one that could see the club that I, I really loved mm-hmm. get promoted back into super league so I felt like I'd done my job for the for the club then and um yeah it was a, it was a, it was a massive moment but again I, I remember that game so vividly and there are some highlights but there's also a couple of missed tackles in there that i just <laughs> even today it still couldn't leads. cut yourself some slack oh, in that game. <laughs> it eats me up and, uh, well i was yeah, gonna ask
1: you were there any hesitations about retirement after tearing it up in that last game thinking yeah i'm, I'm still at the top of my game
0: now no no i definitely felt done i felt like when you get that opportunity to finish on that sort of note yeah I, you know there was no doubt and um the club then had offered me a role as an assistant coach for the, the season after, so yeah. the, the path was already already set there. So, but it was a, it was a, it was just a great uh, great occasion. I had my 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 family over. I had my my wife and their um, her parents over at the game. So it was just a an awesome awesome day.
1: That's brilliant. And you didn't hang around, did you? In terms of what you're doing, straight away you moved to Bath, right? Yeah, coach? no, I I,
0: I I was the assistant coach the year after, yeah. and then um, but then I, I came out of retirement uh for the last eight games of that season and then we we finished up on the saturday and then i was i was turning up at bath rugby at the rec on the monday um, you said one day off and then um, you started. one day off and then i was i was coaching and they were they were already three games into their season by that stage so right yeah it was straight into into rugby what was that experience like at bath you
1: it helped develop some pretty good players though
0: yeah i, I would say early on bill they um they, they, they probably helped me than I, more than I helped them really? um, interesting. you know because I, I looked in the room and there was there was 40 40 Bath Rugby players and, and some big hitters in there there mm. was a the lot of Danny Grucock Steve Borthwick Michael Lipman um, just to name name a few Ollie Barkley well, yeah. um, so some, some real some real big hitters uh, Lee Mears you know yeah. in there so I, I, did, I do remember the first time I got up and spoke with him on that day one I said oh, I think you know I'm going to be leaning on you guys a lot more than what you, you guys will lean on me mm. at this early stage yeah. because I had so much to learn. And to be fair, they again, they for whatever reason they 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 took me in and looked after me, and uh, you know we had a little bit of pain in the first three or four games, and I learned more about the team in those first three or four games. Uh, yeah, and then I was able to push on as a coach.
1: And was there any difficulty transition moving from rugby league over to union as a coach, then? No?
0: no, not not really. There was there was some principles that I was able to to transfer over immediately in the early stages because i could set up the team slightly differently defensively i was also able to implement a lot of skills that i sort of learned a lot in in rugby league um and i was able to really put that on put that in place over the path and i think that putting that all together over those next three or four years really pushed us into being a really good rugby team Mm -hmm. we played some attractive rugby but it was just um yeah, I was, again, again, really, really fortunate that I got it, myself into a position to get that role. Um, I felt really grateful again that I was still able to work in professional sport. and Yeah, and you, you just try and always try and be your best every day.
1: Okay, brilliant, and you got some experience with another Premiership Club in Wasps. What was that experience like? Yeah,
0: brilliant, a uh, brilliant. Again, a, a different, a different set of guys. Um, I was a bit nervy going up to Was. You know, like you, you'd had rumours, and you, you know, you're going with the guys like coaching guys like James Haskell and George yeah. Smith, and yeah, some you big, know, big characters. Yeah, and, yeah. and but I also know there was there was a lot of young guys there at the time. Uh, you know, in Launchbury was very young, and, mm. and Elliot Daly's Christian Wade. So I knew there was this underpinning of of some real, some real gold dust. Yeah. So um, but they again, they were fantastic fantastic bunch of blokes you know i was working under Di young who, who got me up there and um again it was, a bit, it was a very similar to to london irish in a way that the first couple of years there was a lot of um player rotation mm-hmm. you know the, my first year at was i think at the end of that first year there was something like 20 players who left the squad right wow and the year after there was you know another 12 that left so it was only in year three of that sort of um, work, that that was the year that we ended up making coming third. We got to the Heineken Cup semi-finals, yeah. the Premiership semi-finals, and it was so that was also a, a little bit of a project. Mm-hmm. So over those three years, so and that's where the, the I was speaking with Deck a little bit earlier, and that's where the similarities between that club and uh, and our club mm-hmm. are. Is that we we've had a fairly big squad rotation in the first two seasons, Yeah. but it's only this second season, the third season where so have been five or six players yeah, and so I feel this is the the real chance for this club now to solidify and, and we hopefully now with a with a more settled squad with limited movements in and out we can really start to push on
1: another similarity from us and Was at that time is that they just moved to Coventry they're playing in a new area now at London Irish were at the Brentford yeah. Community Stadium what's that like going through that experience
0: again it was unbelievable you know our first game I think was against London Irish when I was mm. at Was. oh really oh, yeah. oh, wow, yeah. and that was um, 30 32,000 wow yeah and we had some cracking games the, the first derby against Leicester up there was unbelievable and I know their crowds had dropped a little bit but just that excitement for the players as well new stadium fresh new stadium mm. uh, dressing rooms I think um, yeah it's, it, uh, it, you see that as a real opportunity to push the club in yeah. push the club on just not on the rugby side of things but from a commercial yeah, venture and yeah. I think uh, I think the way we've got the crowds now coming into to Brentford I think that can only build and especially the the brand of rugby that we're we're trying to uh, produce.
1: Did it make it easier for you as a coach that you've experienced a stadium move before? So then, when you were talking to the guys before our first game with fans and that, that you had the experience to, to kind of lean
0: on. Um, what not, did they kind of take it in their stride not, anyway? Not really. I was probably just as excited as the players, if <laughs> I'm because the the stadium at Brentford is absolutely amazing. Yeah. The acoustics of the place, the way the buildings are all built up, and it's sort of sunk in around there. Yeah. It's just um, it's just one of the best stadiums that I've ever. Been lucky enough to be able to coach in and and go on every second week. So I think we've got a brilliant opportunity as a club to really push on now. Um, And I think, you know, more performances that we've had, like the game against Quinn's on the weekend and the game against Saracens on the Friday night, I think. that area could just really get a real taste mm. of it and hopefully we can build our crowds accordingly.
1: Yeah, and did the stadium play much motivation in when you joined London Irish in the nineteen twenty season? Was that one of the, the points that you, you wanted to come in and work for or was it just an added
0: bonus? No, no, it was the same when I joined uh, London Wasp and as they were, they were called there. No, it was just part of the project. I do like a project mm. as a coach. I think I'm at a stage now in my career where I've got an, a lot of experience in behind me that I, I pretty much know or have a good feel for how to implement, yeah, and how that can then um, bring growth to a certain organisation. So when I joined um, Irish, they were, I mean, London Was, they were in a it was a three year project under under Die and 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 we moved to Coventry. I think it was mid season in the second season, mm-hmm. and then we we got some um, we you know we moved up to the stadium that gave us momentum and were able to build off the back of that. Yeah, I feel it's really the same like when when dex said about the vision of of going to brentford that's exciting but the most exciting part for me is um is coming to work in hazelwood every day Mm -hmm. seeing the dressing room seeing our office staff nicking cakes off you guys (laughs) um no and and generally just and uh, the biggest part of enjoyment about being a coach is interactions of people and i think that's what we have in our office just a, a really good blend of Knowing when to have fun, know knowing when it's serious. Yeah, and we, we, we enjoy each other's company, and I think that's the main thing. Yeah, I think both off and on the field, things are going pretty well for us at the moment. Yeah.
1: Going back onto the field, we at the time of recording this, we've just been Harlequins at the Stoop. Yeah. yeah, what was
0: that like as a coaching group to experience that? Yeah, it's good. Well, I, you know, I had no doubts during the week that we were going to be there or thereabouts. Mm. No doubt. Um, I just think it was the same when I was at as at Was. You know, for the the London derbies, especially against Queens. Yeah. People get up for, yeah, and, um, and I think our last few results against have like I think we we beat them in the first year there at the Stoop. Um, Curtis Rayner got a charge down try. Um, we drew with them at the Stoop. Ollie, um Hoskins scored off a, the drive. was hundredth game, yeah. 100th game. Yeah. Um, You know, at home at, at Brentford, Marcus Smith does a bit of magic to nick, the, nick it in the eighty third minute. In a minute, so I, I felt all week that it was going to be not much in it. You, you ne- I never really feel, oh, we're definitely going to win this. But I, when I have a feeling that there's not going to be much in the game, I'm I'm confident that we're prepared well, and I just knew that we prepared well all week, and it was it was going to come be there or thereabouts.
1: Yeah, it was pretty special, I think, for me also. Went on the pitch at the end, and uh, one of the stands behind the post, you could just see all the London Irish fans flood forward to the front of the thing as the the Quinns fans are filing at the end it just felt extra special for them more than anything because there's yeah. been a lot of close games this season that we haven't quite come out on top of but for this one it felt like that one was for them really yeah definitely and,
0: and, and they um, you know like you said they, they're, they're desperate for us to to put more consecutive wins together but I think the first thing you've got to do in this league is be competitive mm-hmm. I think what we've done over the, the first two seasons is build up a squad and a level of experience that we can be competitive and i know there's a, been a, a bit of pain along that way yeah but i think even though we've had some close losses and some frustrating d- draws um, that we're tracking and trending in the right direction i think as long as we're competitive you're going to be on the right side of the scoreboard more often than you're not going to be on the score line and and i think we just need to you know we need to hold strong now and, and you know these next 6 7 games and just continue to be competitive and yeah. i think if we can how that pans out I'm not, gonna, I'm not really going to be sure but then I know we're going to be in more we've got more chances to win in those situations than lose
1: I think November is a perfect example about setting ourselves up for these next batch of games with three wins and one draw looking back on the month of November you guys have got to be proud of how the boys have come back after a bit of a tricky start to the season and now deliver performances like that in November
0: yeah and but there, there wouldn't have been much um, there wouldn't be much different between the first four games and the last the last four games per se It's just that we've got on the right side of the scoreboard. 100%, yeah. Um, You know, Queen's could have quite easily got a penalty in the 80th minute and it would have been 22-22. I mean, you've got four draws. Mm -hmm. That's The margins are so fine in this competition. We just need to keep being true to what we're looking at in the game uh, with our analysis and how we train and then keep staying in these, these arm wrestles of games and then we will, over time, I think what we're learning as a team is how to close out these these tight ones yeah and I think what we've done really well over the last uh, you know the Saracens Saracens away the game against Northampton the game against Saracens on Friday night and now this game is at the last 10 minutes we've managed to to find a way to manage our way out of that game and talking you know, about a positive fine margins so Brad we've got
1: Newcastle Falcons at home this weekend yep. there's one point separating us on the table what are you
0: expecting from that clash
1: another tight
0: one yeah I, I, I can't see it I can't see it being a blowout or for, for any team, but I, I do think, um, you know, we are still hurting from um, our trip up there last season where they, they put 50 on us mm. and we weren't at our best and we were, we were we were off our game physically and they were more aggressive. So we know that they're a team that's just going to come down and, and just, you know, just graft for the full 80 minutes and they've got a bit of stardust as well with their wingers. so. We've got to be on physically first and foremost. We've got to be competitive in every part of the game, and I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a tight one because they, they just don't go away. Mm. They play for the, they're a, a true 80-minute team, and they've got a good spirit, and uh, they've had a good start to the season. So we need to be absolutely on our money and, and, and ready to, ready to fight for the full, for 80 minutes.
1: Without a doubt, going to be another good one at the BCS, um, and then after the Newcastle game, we go into the European Rugby Challenge Cup. Uh, last season we had a pretty good run in the cup with the Cardiff game sticking out to me straight away that comeback yeah. at home um, after another a bit of a foray into Europe
0: yeah I love Europe I just love the um, the idea of going to France and, and different, different sort of the way they play their rugby or a different team coming from, across from Ireland or Wales or whatever it just it just throws up something different something new different again referees as well interpretations so I think it's it, it's good. We get we'll focus on this week first and foremost, yeah, and then 100%. and then we'll get into Europe. And then you know, obviously, we've got a first a tough trip away to Po initially, and then see how we go in that game, and then see how we can reset ourselves. But it's trying not to get too far ahead. But you can't not get excited about playing in Europe.
1: Yeah, for every player I speak to, every coach I say to, every competition that we enter, we want to win every single game and take mm-hmm. it hundred percent serious. So the the same aspect for you? Same yeah, opinion? exactly the
0: same. Just be competitive, go out there and be the best and put out, you know, try and perform our game to the best. And if, if the opposition play their game to the best and they're better, or better than us on the day, well, we can live with that. But the, the, the times that we get frustrated, Bill, are when, you know, we haven't not so much executed at our best, but when we think if possibly our effort hasn't been at the levels that we expect from a, a London Irish team. And, and when we drop below that, we, we, we do get really disappointed with ourselves and so we try and set certain standards and try and always live up to those standards and we're going to have to be right on that money for Newcastle and then any time you get away to France in the first European fixture you've got to be on it Okay, Brilliant, and we're, obviously we're only taking it game by game,
1: step by step but momentum is a key word in sport and we're starting to build a bit of momentum, are you excited
0: about the potential of the squad and where we can go? Yeah, I think touch wood we can get everyone back fit and you know, we, we, we don't have a, a massive amount of injuries. I think we're, 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 we're simmering away nicely. I, I wouldn't say we're bubbling away, but we're just simmering away. And, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we're building a game where we have a greater understanding of what we need to do at certain times in the game. Um, we're more consistent, I think, on both sides of the ball. Um, but like everything, you, you just got to be on it the whole time because you drop off by 10% and a side, regardless of where they are in the in the table can can hurt you. So um, momentum I, I don't know what I never really know what momentum is. All I know is that after a win you feel better on a Monday. <laughs> and, and you get apple crumble. And you get apple crumble at <laughs> work. <laughs> that's more sweet stuff. So but you yeah, so but what you do is you, you, you just you just build that confidence that you're you're starting to have these experiences more consistently and then you just want to taste it more and more. So I think as long as that those wins build a hunger to keep working hard, and work harder, and become better, I think then you'll be in a good place as a club.
1: That seems like the perfect place to wrap us up, Brad. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, all the best this weekend against Newcastle.
0: Thank you, Billy.